from our watery birth. We seem to battle a relentless tide that submerges us beneath immense waves into suffocating liquid atmospheres. Under its pressing surface is a vast plain of sunken people, wavering idle in the currents of a world diverted, distracted by scattered thoughts, questions unanswered, lungs expanding in only half-breaths. But we are born near the shoreline of something new. For many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away, for love is stronger than death. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. God's love illuminates the deep. His radiant echo penetrating and reverberant wakes us from our drowned sleep. Fresh upon the shore, we are unready, for we are not flame-born, but water-born, soaked, unfit for fire, yet our souls yearn for its heat. The weight of water still clinging to our dripping rags, we only trust one piece at a time. But with each piece gathered and arranged, faith grows, preparing for the coming flame. Think about building a fire. It requires effort, not just in the lighting, but in the preparing. You must choose the ground, gather fuel, and assemble it in the proper form. Then comes the lighting. But our hands and flesh cannot create flame. The spark must come from somewhere else, an outside source with the properties required to generate the heat energy for the fire. Faith stretched. We can only call out to God because He Himself is the light, igniting life as flame. No fire starts big. Flames don't jump from the match head to consume everything in a raging inferno. It's the little sparks that start it all. From these fleeting, seemingly insignificant flicks of heat and light comes the fire that brings light, warmth, safety, and comfort. Our lives are like this fire. We start off with empty, dirty vessels that don't seem useful for anything. But when empty and dirty things are repurposed, brought together to the right place, and a flame is set within them, they begin to glow. If fire replenishes us to stand in Christ's shimmering full grace, who are we not to leap in out of faith, inhale by His Spirit burning breaths of holiness until we fully stand apart, refined, seeing as He sees, transformed, but not only for ourselves.
Let your light shine on For this city has been won Oh, revival lives in us We will not be hidden Let your light shine on For this city has been won Oh, revival lives in us We will not be hidden Let your light shine on For this city has been won Oh, revival lives in us We will not be hidden Let your light shine on For this city has been won Oh, revival lives in us We will not be hidden For we are children of the light set high on a mountain Like millions of candlelights Our formation reaching out like hot matches aflame with passionate wonders vibrantly struck shattering darkness with increasing power until shadows burn at our touch. And when our flames have burned out, our embers remain. See, that is our focus for this year is that we are going to go into our community and give them what we're calling CPR. We concluded last week that life receivers, those who have received life from God, are created, they are made to be life givers. It is what God has designed for us to be. So he posed the question, and Jesus already having identified Satan as the thief, we say to Jesus, Son of God, what, what, why have you come to this earth? And his response is this in John 10, the thief comes only to kill and destroy, but I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said, I am the Son of God, and I didn't have to do this, but I just appeared to you, and my purpose for showing up is to give you what? Life. And not just a little bit of life, but I have come to give you an abundant amount of life. The word that he used there means beyond measure. You just can't measure how much life I want to give to you, not because you need all of that life, but because simply this is the reason that those who get life are created to give life. So that's the good news. Now, here's the bad news. The thief is still active. And if that power that the thief uses is satanic, then what chance do I have to withstand it, let alone go beyond it, to bring life and light to somebody else who's overcome by it? Because that is, that is what God has called us to do. Where evil tries to kill a dream, to destroy hope, to dismantle a relationship, to obliterate faith, we're called to go where that death is and bring that location, that person, that thing, CPR. First, we recognized that life-giving communities connect. That's the C in CPR. And listen to the words of Jesus. He, he says this to his followers. Matthew 28, Jesus undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. 
Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. That is why we are part of what's happening this week and, and really next weekend called Rock the Lakes. That's why we as, as believers in Jesus all over this region are, are coming together with one voice. It's, it's why we're asking you to invite your family and invite your coworkers and, and invite your, your friends to come with you to that gathering where there will be this incredible music, this worship expression, that when, when we do that, there is an awareness and a presence of God that perhaps your friends have never felt before and they begin to realize, wait a minute, Jesus could be here. And there will be this declaration that God has come through Jesus Christ to give us life. That's why we've said, who are you inviting? It's, it's what we're designed to do. We're designed to do this. In fact, I'm going to be bold enough to declare to you today that if you are not involved in connecting other people to Jesus, you will never be content with life. Because that is what we were designed to do. That's why we are here on this earth. And so my question for you is, who are you inviting? Who have you talked to? Do it this week and bring them on Saturday night and Sunday night to, to rock the lakes. So right after Jesus said this commission, after he said that, that I will be with you always, he did a slow fade in the clouds and, and left, and, and it confused us. It, it, it's much like when Pam and I will drive to Missouri to see family and, and we'll get in the car and we've got a 13-hour drive, 13 to 14 hours, and, and we'll get about to Ashtabula on, on, on I-90 and Pam will, will then pull out a pillow and a blanket and she'll turn to me as she reclines the seat back and she'll say, now if you need any help driving, you let me know. <laughs> and then she goes into this comfy coma and only reappears as our destiny approaches. As we get to this destination, there she is. So often we as followers of Jesus look at our friends around us who are struggling with life and we say to them, now if you need any help with life, you let me know. And then we recline ourselves into our nice little community of faith and go into our comfy coma and only reappear when Jesus arrives. So I want to propose to you this morning, and, and it's not a harsh word, but, but it's a strong word, that we as followers of Jesus have trouble keeping this commission of Jesus, that we connect with people to bring them life. We, we have trouble making that our priority because we are too focused on our inabilities and our comfort, more so than we are on his power. And too often we think his power, especially in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, we, we, we believe that his power is God's version of Waldemir. Man, have, have, you, have you been to the Tongues and Interpretation Funhouse? Woo! That is so cool. 
Have, have you ridden, have you ridden on the slain in the spirit thunder ride? Woo! So great. And I want to tell you that if, if we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is just for this gathering, and we heard some of that expressed this morning through a prophetic word, if we think it's just for this gathering or we think it's for somebody else, then we're going to begin to, to begin to doubt that we have the right stuff to face rejection, failure, harassment, persecution, or to be marked as those who are different. Because Jesus said, if you're connecting with people like I connected with people, like I told you to connect with people, then if they, if that evil harassed me, if that evil attacked me, it will attack you. Because the thief is active. And quite frankly, what we challenged you with last week, that all of us must connect, cannot be done without this power. In fact, life-giving communities disable evil resistance with superior power. That's how it's done. You may be sitting there thinking, well, this just really doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really apply to me. Let me just tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus, you need this power. Otherwise, it's going to be tough to make it. So we've got to connect. That's the C. And now we need that, that power. That's the P and CPR. So I have a friend who is a very close friend of the former Attorney General of the United States. And once in a while, the Attorney General would grab my friend and, and they would go down to, to, to go someplace. And he would be going and he'd say, hey, come with me. And so they would go. And it just happened this one time. There were a couple hours outside of D.C., and they're on their way down in, in those two Suburbans that you see around D.C. all the time, those Suburbans packed full of secret service, specifically for the attorney general. And my friend is sitting there next to a, a secret service guy, and he looks down, and the guy has a satchel, and he leans over and looks in the satchel, and he said, there was weaponry in there I've never seen before. It was incredible. So they, they go down, they do the thing, they're on the way back, and they're running late. He's got a meeting, and so they're speeding back to D.C. And my friend said, without thinking, he turns to the Secret Service guy and says, aren't you afraid you're going to get stopped by the cops? <laughs> and the, the Secret Service guy looked at him like, what, are you nuts? The attorney general functions under the mantle and the authority using the power of the president of the United States. Who's going to stop him? So Jesus then says this to his followers. Acts 1. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, Jesus said, am going to give you the ability to function under the mantle and the authority of the president of the universe. And I'm going to immerse you in my presence. I'm going to immerse you in my spirit. And when I do that, I'm going to give you power like you have never imagined before. 
fact, that word power is where we get the word dynamite, but it means so many things. He says, I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you my ability. I'm going to give you my abundance. I'm going to give you my meaning. I'm going to give you my might. I'm going to give you the working of miracles. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you violence against evil, and I'm going to give you mighty, wonderful works. And when that happens, you will become my witnesses, and the word there actually means you will become my record. You will become my living proof. The living proof that this is what happens when God puts his power in humanity and it courses through. If you take an old sponge and you squeeze it, what you get is still old sponge. That's all you get. And us trying to live this Jesus life without this Holy Spirit puts us in an awkward spot because so often when life squeezes us, what happens is we just give off us. That's all we get. Jesus said, you cannot function in the way that you need to function and against the forces that are against you now by yourself. You cannot use yourself because when you get squeezed, all you're going to come out with is, is selfishness and anger and bitterness and, and unforgiveness. It's just going to come out that way. So I'm going to change you. He said, what I'm going to do for you is that I'm going to come upon you. But not just a little bit. Remember that my life comes with an abundance. And I'm going to come upon you. And when I come upon you, there's going to be so much of me coming upon you that when I come upon you, I will also immerse you because I will fill you with that much. I will totally surround you. When Paul the Apostle said, walk in the spirit, it's a locative verb. It's a location verb. It's within the sphere that you are, are, are drowning, if you will, within this, this fullness of God's spirit. So that when this satanic force, and I appreciated the prophetic word this morning, that don't give in, that God has not, has not given permission for that thing that you face to destroy you and to defeat you, that when you are immersed in him, when the enemy comes, when the evil around you comes and squeezes you, what will you give out? You will give out what you've been soaking in. And especially if you are immersed in him on a regular basis, when he's squeezing, you're still in him. And the power is still in you. And when he told them that, they said, sounds like a good idea. So they went to Jerusalem. And there, on the 50th day, Jesus loosed his church. He poured out his spirit and immersed them in his spirit, totally convincing them that they now functioned under his authority and with his power, under his mantle. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus turns loose this community, and this is what happens. Acts 2, 1 through 8. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by these believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Jesus intends for our culture around us to ask the question, what does this mean? Jesus has given us the power to perplex. That word perplex simply means the channel of an act, of an action, leaving no way out. That you are involved in something at the moment, that you are in this channel, you can't get out of it, and something's happening there, and you don't understand it, and you go, I can't, I can't, I, I can't explain this, and I can't get out of it. What is this? Because it's bigger than me. Jamie Buckingham was one of those people who believed that, that when the Spirit comes on you, that you have this power. So Jamie's battling cancer, and he's in the hospital, and, and while he's in the hospital, he's waiting for treatment, and there's another man there waiting for treatment, and he's Korean. And Jamie is, is there, and he feels like the Holy Spirit is saying to him, this man has great fear of what's ahead, so I want you to go pray for him. I want you to go talk to him. So, so Jamie goes to him because he feels that's what the Spirit of God is telling him. And so he begins to talk to him, but unfortunately, Jamie doesn't speak Korean, and, he, and the guy doesn't speak English. So Jamie just starts to pray for him, and as he begins to pray, he feels like the Holy Spirit says to him, much like happened on that day of Pentecost, I want you to pray in tongues out loud. So he begins. And as he begins to pray in tongues, the Korean man begins to weep and begins to nod his head, and, and then Jamie's done, and he leaves. The next morning, the, Koreans, the Korean man's wife finds Jamie, and, and she says to him, thank you for praying for my husband, because as a result of that, he understands who Jesus is, and he put his faith in Jesus, and his fear is gone. And Jamie said, well, how did he come to know Jesus? She said, you told him. He said, I didn't tell him. She said, well, when you were praying, you were talking in Korean, and you told him about Jesus. And they say, what does this mean? I'm perplexed. Spirit-enabled Christ followers live at the intersection of heaven and earth. The Jews knew that there was this place. In fact, the Celtics would later call it the thin place, that the presence of God is so real even on earth. And they believed it took place in the temple. And it was so apparent because there were those moments when the presence of God would come down on the temple. There were those moments when, when that, that cloud that the Israelites saw when they went from Egypt to the promised land and it would lead them, would, would settle in on that tabernacle. They said, there is the presence of God. God's presence is there. We've seen it. They also believed that it was present in the Torah, the law that this was God-breathed, God-created, and if you got close to the law, you got close to God. It was there. So that when this happened on the day of Pentecost, this, the, the, the reality of that did not surprise them. For Pentecost is the celebration of the giving of the Torah. 
You see, first there was the Passover. When God said to Israel, now you get to leave your bondage and your slavery to Egypt, and he frees them up at the Passover. They go through the wilderness, and on the 50th day, they arrive at Mount Sinai, and God calls up Moses, and then Moses comes back later and returns with these tablets of a new covenant, a present from God that says, here is the way you can now live life, and here is that which will mark you as being mine. You go to Acts 2. And the Passover just before was the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who by doing so said to humanity and to this world, I am now setting you free from your slavery of sin. And I'm giving the world a brand new start. For if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. And Jesus is taken up to the Father, and on the 50th day through his Spirit, he returns, and he brings now the ratification of a new covenant. Not on tablets of stone, but placed upon the human heart. A living record, for you will be my record. And so when they, when they heard the wind and when they saw the fire and they heard the tongues, they understood that heaven and earth had intersected at that place. And that's why so many were perplexed because they said, we go through this, this, this thing every, every year, this, this Pentecost thing, and, and we know these people, we see them all the time, but here's the deal. Something new and different has taken place here. Heaven and earth have intersected in this point that God has invaded and he has stamped his presence not in the temple and not in the Torah, but on those people. And that's why Paul would then say, but now we are the temple, and now we are the living word of God, and now we are God working through our flesh. So when we say, Holy Spirit, I submit to you, I surrender all. I surrender all. When we say that, it is actually the wording to be filled with the Spirit, to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. That when we do that, no matter if you have only been a believer for 12 hours or 12 years, when we say that, the Spirit of God brings through us a presence and a power of God, an authority that is released into our lives. So Peter and John were some of the 120 that were there on that day of Pentecost. And they're on their way to do what they always do, which is pray. And they're going to the temple. And on the way to the temple, there's a man who's been sitting outside that temple for many years because he's been crippled from birth. And as they go by, he says, do you have any money? Because that's his only hope. And Peter and John are going to take him beyond anything he had ever hoped for. And they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he does. And he goes crazy. He goes jumping and leaping, and, and the whole thing goes viral. 
And a mob gathers and says, how did that happen? And they said, well, this all happened in the name of Jesus, because in the name of Jesus means in his authority and in his power. And, the, and then the religious guards show up and say, you're causing a scene, and they arrest him, and they take them back to the, the religious leaders, and religious leaders say, stop doing that. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. And the response to that is this, we can't help but tell you what we have seen and what we have heard, because we're the living record. We just got to tell you. Their response to these disciples was this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So they threaten them, but they cannot punish them because there's such a mob out there who are now praising God for this miracle. They're afraid of a riot because those people have seen heaven and earth intersected. So now the question is this, why not in Erie? Why not at your campus? Why not at Lord Corporation? If he is Lord, then make him Lord at Lord. <laughs> why not at GE? Why not when, when, when you're putting the electrical lines in, the, in that place and you're, you're working next to somebody, why not there? Why not? So how does that happen? Let me, let me give you some practical, practical wisdom here. Begin with prayer. Wherever you can pray for someone, pray. If someone's sick, if someone's having an issue, someone tells you that their marriage is falling apart or they're having trouble raising their kids or you're having trouble with their parents, you need to say, well, can I pray with you right now? Right there, right now. What if Peter and John would have said to the guy at the temple, hey, we'll pray for you. If heaven and earth are going to intersect, that's going to be with you right there. If we're praying, come your kingdom be done your will, then let it be done right where I am. You say, oh, well, that's for other people. No, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit on you and immerse you with my authority and with my power. Start with prayer because it invites heaven to intersect. I have never, except once, I have never, ever had anyone say to me when I said, can I pray with you right now? Never said no. Now, you've got to, you've got to be, be conscious of where you are. If you're sitting in, in, in the middle of, of Moe's and you're talking to somebody across the table, don't stand up and go, oh, Lord, welcome to Moe's. <laughs> be conscious of where you are. The gospel's offensive by itself. It doesn't mean you have to be an idiot. Just, but you can pray. The only time someone refused me was a woman actually was a follower of Jesus, and I said, can I pray for you? For you? And she said, no, I was sick, and you prayed for me, and I got worse. I'm not taking a chance. You're going to kill me. So, I, sorry. <laughs> Pam and I were in a shoe store several years ago, and I needed a pair of shoes. And so I found the shoes. I'm getting ready to buy them, and the, and the owner comes out, and he says, those are free. I said, they're what? He said, they're free. I said, why are they free? He said, well, you don't know this, but about a year ago, my mom was going into the hospital because she was very sick, and you crossed paths out in the Hammett parking garage, and, and she recognized you 
from TV, and she said hi to you, and you stopped and said hi to her and asked her what she was doing, and she told you that she was sick going in the hospital, and you said, can I pray for you? And and you prayed for her, and God healed her. So the least I can do is give you shoes. So I'm telling you, Whenever you have a chance, because the Spirit of God resides in you, when you ask him every day, come upon me, wherever he gives you a chance to pray, come, your kingdom be done, your will, take that chance, because who knows, it may be a miracle, and you might get new shoes. (laughs) You never know. But don't stop there. Because the Spirit's power on us also creates powerful words from us. So Jesus sends out these Jesus followers to connect, to connect with Jews and with Romans, with Gentiles, telling the message about Jesus' death and resurrection, which was insane. Because you may be sitting here thinking, he's trying to connect with my family. You don't know. They're going to think I'm nuts. If I tell the people at work, they're going to think I'm nuts. If I tell the people I'm on the team with, they're going to tell, they're going to think I'm nuts. Listen. When they went out to tell who Jesus was, it was an affront to the Jews because in essence what they were saying was, the long-awaited Messiah you're waiting for has already been here and you killed him. Ah. And, And the Romans thought they were mad because they had killed him and buried him. But this they understood, that every time they told the story of Jesus, somehow there was a power connected to that message that came from the Holy Spirit. Luke records this in the book of Acts. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. See, all I know is this. And, and, and I've, got to, I've got to just pause to say this. You, you think because I'm a pastor because this is what I do, that, that I have some special dispensation, that, that I get to do these things and I act this way because I get paid to do it or because, because God said, behold, you will be a professional. I am no different from you. We all have giftings and we all have the power of the Holy Spirit. So... What I know is this, that the more I read the scriptures and try to take it into my life and inculcate it in here, that's why it's so important that you study and you read the scriptures because it is God's word. If you're just getting it from me on a Sunday morning, it's not enough. In fact, how do you know I'm not lying to you? Check the scriptures. So, so when I'm with someone and I tell Jesus' story and I use his words and then I get to share my story and use my words and I depend on the Holy Spirit, the results are up to him. It's his power. But I want to encourage you, when you have a chance, speak God's words. Now, now, hear me. When you're talking to someone about what Jesus has done in your life and you're talking about the Scriptures, would you speak in the language they know? 
Would you forget your Christianese? Would, 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 you, would you just forget the King James? Behold, the Lord saith. And this whole thing of, would you not sit there and say, pass the ketchup, amen? Just don't, don't. Talk to them like you talk to anybody at your job. Just tell them what Jesus said and tell them what the scripture said. Speak God's word. Pam and I had some neighbors when we lived in the West Coast, and, and, and we got to know them pretty good, and, and I hung out with Jerry, and, and, and we did stuff together. And, and so while we're together, he's told his story of life, and I got to tell my story of life, which obviously included Jesus. And I, and I told him about Jesus' story and about how Jesus has just radically changed my life, and, and his response to me was, well, that's really good for you. And we just, but we're still friends. And we hang out together. And one night he called and he said, can you come over here? Because he and his wife were having a fight and they fought all the time. And, and, and so I went over there and, and, and he wanted me to referee. So we started through the process. We're talking about what's going on. And then I got to share with him our story about how Pam and our marriage really struggled at, at one point and, and, and how Jesus rescued us. And what we had to do and how, and how we had to work really hard to make this thing work. And so we got to this point, finally I just said, Jerry, we've had this talk and, and, and you're struggling and I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you that it would be so much easier if you would just trust Jesus because he's got a life for you and your wife and, and, and he can help you understand her better and you can love her better and, and you, can, you can understand how life should be. And one of these days... Jerry, just one of these days, you're, Jerry, one of these days you should, Jerry, one of these days, and finally he said, what about now? I said, serious? So I said, well, let's just talk about how you put your faith in Jesus. So we did that. That week he called me over. He said, can you come help me? I went over, and he had like four or five boxes ready to be packed. I said, what are we doing? He said, we're putting my whole porn collection in here and taking it to the dump. I said, Jerry, wow. Because if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. See, I didn't say anything different than I'd said before, but I just gave him God's word, and at one moment, the Holy Spirit said, boom, I'm creating something new. See, that's what, that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's his expertise. That's his specialty. In the very beginning, he, ho he hovers over a world that's formless and void, and then he speaks, and there's life and light. I want to tell you that over the people you're concerned about, over the people who are struggling with death issues, where their, their dreams are, are broken and their, their life seems shattered, and, and over the, the child you're worried about, and, and over the parents you're worried about, and, and the friends and the family, all of that stuff, the Holy Spirit's still hovering over them. And they may seem formless and void to God, but somewhere, if somebody by the power of the Spirit will speak God's word, at that moment, who knows God's word may say, now I'm creating something new. And you very well could be that person. See, the Spirit's power on us enables us to continue Jesus' story. So Luke starts the book of Acts this way. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Did you catch that? Jesus began. He began. If you know the English language, you know began. He just started it. 
The story to follow, the story of the church, led and energized by the power of the Spirit, is the story of Jesus continuing to do and to teach through his Spirit-filled people. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them, pneuma, which is the word spirit. He spirited on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Our task is not to repeat what Jesus did, but to implement his achievements, to put him in operation. So Luke goes on to say, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Now, please listen to me. Put down your phone and listen. Or text somebody about what I'm about to say. Paul the Apostle made it very clear that the Holy Spirit will place in us what is needed at the moment for what he's doing around us and in us at that time. He said, I'm going to give you, when it's needed, abilities to heal, to perform miracles, to speak wisdom, to understand facts we couldn't naturally know, to speak truth into lives on God's behalf, to confront demons. All of us. That's you. Turn to the person next to you and put your finger right in their face and say, that's you. So here's our goal for the next 12 months. We're going to bring life to those who are experiencing death. That's our deal. Somebody wants to say, hey, what's Erie first about? Bringing life to those who are experiencing death. Not just physically, but emotionally, relationally, their hopes, their dreams. Whether dying inside, we can bring life. Which means this. In the next 12 months, all of us, 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 and did I mention all of us? Need to help someone connect to Jesus. This is not a great aquarium and you heard fish in here on Sunday morning, I hook a few and send you back out. This is the place you get encouraged and challenged and you go out and you make a difference in the world around you. Secondly, we just cannot connect. We need to have that power. So I'm going to ask you that every day, every day before you leave your house, before you go wherever you're going, you just say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. And I'm going to listen really hard to know what you're doing around me and what you're saying for me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk by faith so that we will be continually, continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a continuous forum to remind us of that, every two or three months from this point on, for however long we need to do this, we're going to invite you to join us on a Saturday morning. We're calling it a Saturday seminar. From about 9 to 12, we're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and pray for each other that we will walk in the fullness of the Spirit. We'll have babysitting, child care. We'll take care of all that from 9 to 12 on a Saturday morning so that we can continue to remind ourselves to be full of the Spirit of God. And the first one of those is November 15th, November 1-5.
So while living on the West Coast, I'm going to ask the, the worship team to make their way up and as I share this last story. When I was living on the West Coast, Pam and I were on the West Coast, uh, I got a phone call in my office. And somebody said, hey, there's somebody on the phone named Sarah, and you're the pastor on call, so can you talk to her? And I, she said, hi, this is Sarah. I said, Sarah, do I know you? She said, you know, you don't know me. I said, what's the deal? She said, well, I'm here in my house. And as, through her description, I could tell that her husband was an abusive alcoholic. And I said, what's the issue? She said, he's drunk, he has a rifle in his hand, and the ammunition in his pockets. And she said, here, talk to him. She handed him the phone. I said, hi, Bob. What's up? So we talked. And, and, and I talked to him a little bit, and he said, hey, I got a good idea. Why don't you come over here? <laughs> you know all those dreams you had that you'd be brave in times? <laughs> oh, no. Wisdom overtook me, and I said, no, Bob, not coming there, but I'll tell you what. You and Sarah come over here, but don't bring that rifle with you. And then we notified the office and everybody there. I said, if you see a guy in the parking lot, and, and we, he would be far enough away when he parked that we could see if he's carrying anything, we're in lockdown. So here they came. He came in. He had no weapon. So we took Bob and Sarah. We went into a room, and, and he was drunk and, and couldn't make sense out of anything. And, and so it was me, and it was Rich. And, and, and Rich had been a guy who had lived for two things, driving his Corvette and bar fights. He loved to fight. After he wrecked his Corvette, he found Jesus because he lost the thing he loved the most and radically changed his life. Such a bold man now for Jesus. With him was Larry. Larry is an American Indian who dealt with spirit issues all the time and, and shame of, of what he felt was the shame of his past. And, and, and Jesus had radically changed Larry, and he had this prophetic gift to be able to penetrate into the issues and, and, and speak on God's behalf. And so it was, it was those guys and me, and we began to talk to Bob. And, and as we began to talk to Bob, we prayed for Bob, and instantaneously, I kid you not, he got sober. And he began to understand what we were saying. And by the time, and this took many hours, by the time we got done, first of all, he understood who Jesus was. And secondly, he said, that's exactly who I need. And he and his wife get, put their faith in Jesus. And then we prayed for them that they would have power. And they were both filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way we knew that is because just like in the first century, they began to speak in tongues. Jesus gave them a brand new life. If we're going to connect with people, we have to have power. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you more than you need. And it is true that the thief still is active, but because of the Spirit of God in us and on us, we not only can confront the evil, we get to conquer it. So this morning, I'm simply going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you full to just drench you so that, that where you are this week, you'll begin to sense him speaking to you and you'll know when to pray and, and you'll speak his words and you'll see him work through you, whether it's dealing with your four-year-old or dealing with that 40-year-old patient in the hospital. And so let's make this our prayer. That, and so I'm going to ask you to stand. And, and here's what I want you to respond. As, as we begin to sing this, I want you to make it from your heart. And if you want... 
if you want to come right here, we call this the altar. This is the place we come and we say we submit to you, Jesus. If you want to come and submit to the Holy Spirit, and you could just even kneel here or stand and just say, I'm, 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 this is my prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in me, in me. And, and I want you to have your way in me and make this your prayer, setting you up for what you're going to be doing this week as the Spirit of God moves through you. And after we sing it one time, I'll come back and, and I'll, I'll dismiss those who, need to, who want to go and those who want to continue to make that prayer for a while. You can stay here. But let's make this our prayer. Chloe, lead us. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence
your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become going to give you opportunity to continue worshiping here and those that feel it's time for you to go please feel free but as you go now may you have throughout this week an awareness of God's love for you may you find a confidence in knowing that he has placed on you his authority and through you his power and may you walk in faith, believing that when you sense he's leading you to do something for someone, may you have the faith and the courage to depend on the Spirit of God to perform what he desires at that moment as you act in simple obedience. And may you see his holy presence surround you. And may you see your life change and the lives of those around you change because of his holy presence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As you leave, would you do it in reverence so we're not disturbing those who are continuing to worship here? God bless you. Have a great week.